Last week, Jen did a great job. Jen Roth did a fantastic job talking to us about recognizing God's voice. Uh, very practical ways that God speaks. And uh, she shared from her own experience that some of those ways that God speaks uh, happens through repetition. Uh, in, in ways like, you know, when you're reading your Bible in the morning, you're, you're in a certain passage and um, and uh, you, then later in the day, someone comes up and um, shares uh, a passage of scripture. It happens to be the same one you read that morning, uh, or maybe it's an email to you. Or you're driving in your car, you turn on the radio, and as you hear uh, what's being said, it's the same scripture you read that morning, the same scripture that someone uh, gave to you. And, and that, that's one of the ways God speaks. He, he, he uses repetition to get our attention. Uh, and, and Jen talked about that, that last week. Um, and she also talked about dreams. That there's some, there's some vivid dreams that we have, and where God is speaking to us, and uh, and as well as those nudges. Uh, she shared how uh, when when her kids were younger, kids were like three years old and one years one year old uh, went to Winco, and which I, I think any mom who takes a three year old and a one year old to Winco deserves a standing ovation uh, because that's that's a, that's a courageous endeavor. And she was in Winco, and she had this nudge as she was buying these Dixie cups. And, uh, and, and the nudge was that she, you know, she, was, she just wanted Dixie Cups for this trip to Africa. She's going on a missions trip. And, um, and as she put the box of Dixie Cups in her, in her cart, she didn't have peace of those the right ones. And, uh, and, and I don't know if you were listening to that and you, you, you think, really? I mean, really? That, God speaks like that? And yeah, he does. Because what happens is that when you, you, you sense those nudges... And uh, in Jen's story, what she does is she doesn't take the, the, the Dixie cup until she has the piece that she's got the right ones. Little does she know that halfway around the world, there's a mom who's praying and, and asking, God, do you see me? She's, she's feeling lonely. So she's asking God, God, do you see me? And all the way on the other side of the globe, you've got this, this, this woman who's headed over there who doesn't have peace in the aisle in Winco, and it's not her kid's fault. Uh, it's, it's God nudging and, um, and so I just want to say to you, that as you're learning to hear God's voice, that that might be something to you that's just completely foreign. Like, you know, what, I've, I don't know if I've ever had that experience. If you're a Christ follower, you have, because that's how you got into this relationship. God spoke to you, and you began a relationship. The scriptures tell us that no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws them. So you, you did hear God's voice, but the, the habit of hearing God's voice, when you think you hear, add faith to it, and then when you see that it is indeed what God was doing, that faith, and you see the whole picture, the, the nudge of buying the right Dixie cups, and then hearing the end of the story that that's what someone was praying, that when you see the full picture, faith rises, and that's how you begin to recognize God's voice. You just obey the little nudges, and you see indeed, yes, it was God. Uh, and you do that over and over and over again, and you, you come to recognize God's voice very clearly. So I, I thought Jen did a great job last week, just giving us some handles for that. I want to talk to you, sort of kind of pick up that same topic, how to recognize God's voice, and kind of do part two. Jen's message was how to recognize God's voice for, for you. And that's, a, that's an important way to grow, uh, is, is recognizing God's voice for yourself. I want to talk to you about recognizing God's voice for others. Meaning, I, I want to I hear God, and I want to I grow in my understanding and, and recognition of his voice for myself. But I also want to, 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 to be a listener for others, because God has things to say to us, and God has things to share with us for others that will strengthen, encourage, and comfort them. 
And I want to talk about that uh, today. Uh, almost 20 years ago, um, I left the business world and became a pastor. Uh, I, was, I was going to my first church in Kelso, Washington, and uh, my parents at the time were international workers. They were missionaries in Hong Kong. And, um, and, and my parents, uh, when they heard that I was uh, going to be installed in this, in this, in this church, and that's, that's the language they use. They have these installation services. Sounds like, sounds like they're going to plug you in. Uh, but it's an installation service, and it's sort of a ceremonial event saying this is the beginning of uh, you know, a, a new pastor for a church. And that service was going to happen for us, and my mom and dad were pretty bummed because they weren't able to be there and they weren't able to even come. Didn't have the resources to make that trip from China uh, to Washington State, um, and so uh, they they were e- we were emailing back and forth, and that my parents emailed me and said that you know we're going to be praying for you that this is a significant event in your life, and and we wish we were going to be there. I think they they wish they could be there because they're like we can't believe this is actually happening. He's going to be a pastor. We got to see this for ourselves. Uh, but but they you know they're proud of of, of me and uh, they wanted to be there to celebrate. So, um, you know, I, I, I thanked them for wanting to pray. And so I went to the service, and of course, you know, we sang, and we, 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 the, the church uh, talked about this, this new chapter ministry. And at one point in the service, they had me come up and stand on the platform. And uh, they were giving me objects uh, with symbolic meaning. Uh, like, for example, they gave me a tool, it's called a come-along, and the, 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 the elder board uh, chairperson was, uh, was saying, you're going to need this because as you lead us where God's taken us, you're going to probably need a time to say, come along with me because we're not going to want to follow you. Little did they know, uh, but uh, they, they, they did that. And at one point in time, they gave me like a giant shepherd's crook, well over six feet tall, and put it in my left hand and said, you're going to need this. Uh, because you're going to need a pastor's heart as you lead us. So I held that shepherd's crook in my left hand. Uh, they gave me some other stuff. And then they gave me a fishing rod. And they put a fishing rod in my right hand. And so here I am standing in front of the church. i got this giant shepherd's crook. And I've got this, uh, this fishing rod in my other hand. And, and they said the, the, crook is, is the shepherd's crook is so that you'll be a pastor. And the fishing rod is because we want you to be someone who teaches us how to be fishers of men and women and boys and girls. And, and then the, the leaders of the church gathered around Trina and I. And they, uh, and they prayed for us. And uh, it was it was it was a significant night, and uh, it was it was it was a great beginning. And we went to dinner afterwards with some friends, and I went home and I got on the computer because I wanted to email my parents and tell them, you know, how the night went uh, during this installation service. I opened my email, and there was an email from my parents. And, uh, and, and I opened up and, and they emailed me and they said, oh, we were praying for you and we were just, you know, we're so proud of you. And, and as we were praying, we had like this, this, I don't know, sort of, sort of called a, a picture of you uh, in that church standing on the platform. And uh, here's what we prayed for you. Because what we saw is you were standing on the platform and in your left hand, you were holding a giant shepherd's crook. And so we began praying that God would deposit in you a pastor's heart. And in your right hand, you were holding, you can guess it, a fishing rod. And we just, we began to pray that God would take the combination of a pastor's heart and a gift of evangelism and that many people would be reached in that city for Christ. And then they went on to say that they saw me kind of wearing this robe, this jacket, and had all these fishing lures all over it, which was significant for me because that was the industry I was in. It was in the fishing tackle business. Um, and they wrote and said that, you know, that there's be a bunch of creative ways that people were, were, were going to be coming, coming to Christ. I'm reading this e- email and my jaw's dropping because I'm inside going, 
how in the world did they know that? And how in, what is that? And I, I called Trina and said, you got to read this email. This is, I mean, it's like they had spies or something. Uh, and, and so we, we read, Trina was stunned. And, and those questions, how did that happen? What is that? Those are the questions I want to answer for us today. I, as we, we, we keep moving in our series, The Upper Room, Living the Upstairs Life in My Downstairs World, I want to talk about life in the Spirit. We, we've, we've talked about being filled with the Spirit. We've talked about who the Spirit is and wanting a practical theology relating to the Spirit of being great listeners, but also being great listeners for others. I want to tell you how that can happen. In fact, I want to, I'm going to lead us, eventually I'm going to lead us in, a, in an exercise where you can continue to grow as a listener. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to just first explain the how does that happen? How, how does someone literally hear God? Now, Jen talked about kind of how that happens. There's nudges, repetition, dreams. There's a lot of ways that God speaks. Uh, for me personally, I, I've, I've never had an, like an audible hear, it's, it's hearing of God's voice. It's just an impression, something in my own spirit where I sense I'm hearing something and add faith and then see that indeed that's what God was doing. But I want to show you how that happens by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, and uh, Paul, just a little context for you. Paul is writing to a church in, this, in a city called Corinth. Corinth exists today. It's in Greece. Uh, as a new church there. That's why it's called the Corinthians. Those are the people going to that church. And this is a, a church that has a lot of spiritual gifts, but the church is in chaos it's in chaos relationally. Uh, there's, uh, there's chaos and sin being lived out in the church. They, they don't care for each other much. Uh, there's a lot of disorder in their worship times. And so Paul is writing to them. And what he's going to say, in fact, I'll just read the beginning of chapter 3. He, he's going to say, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belong uh, to this world as, or uh, as though you were infants in the Christian life. Paul is writing to these people and saying, I wish I could come talk to you as spiritual people. Let me just take that concept and unwrap, unwrap it a little bit. He uses, Paul, when he uses the word spiritual people, he uses a word that literally in the English it means to be wind-powered. You know, you, you know pneumatic, something that's powered by air? That, that's the word. It's actually the Greek word is pneumatikos. I mean, it means to be powered by wind. What he's getting at is, I, I wish, I wanted to write to you as if you were wind-powered or spirit-led. But I couldn't. I had to write to you as you were worldly. And the word he's using there means, instead of being wind-powered or spirit-led, you are appetite-driven. You're, you're powered by your cravings or the lusts of your flesh. I wanted to talk to you as you were spiritual, wind-powered, spirit-led, but you're appetite-driven. And then he'll go on to say, you're not only appetite-driven, you're driven by your psyche, meaning you're driven by your own rational way of doing life. You do what you think is best. Your rationale, your, your logic, your, your psyche-driven or your rationale-driven or your appetite-driven, I wish that you were, you were driven by the wind. Wish you were spirit-led. So that, that's, that's the disorder in the church. And let me just hit the pause button real quick and ask us the question. Because when it becomes all these things, it's not bad to have good thinking. 
You, I mean, it's good to have rationale and logic. That's a great thing. It's actually not bad to have appetites. There are healthy appetites and cravings. But what Paul is getting to is that when you become a Christian, when you become a Christ follower, your appetites and your thinking submit to the lordship of Christ. He is Lord. We've already sung that today. Which means as master and Lord, we come under his thinking. We crave the things that he wants us to crave. This is who Paul wants the Corinthians to be. This is who the Spirit wants you to be. So let me just hit the pause button and ask you the question. Are you spirit-led? Are you appetite-led? Or are you led by what you think is right? Which, which one are you growing to become? I think it's a really important question for, for you to process. Am I, am I driven by only what makes... If it doesn't make sense to me, then count me out. Am I driven by what I want, my appetites, or am I led by the Spirit? That's who Paul wants the church to be. Now, in chapter 2, verse 10, as we answer this question, how does this happen? How does someone listen to God? How does someone listen to God for others? Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 10, these words. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit, for his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Let me stop right there. Here's what Paul is saying. No one can know what a man or a woman is thinking except their spirit within them. I could, I could just say, hey, I'm going to pick a number between 1 and 10,000. And I could just grab that number and, and put it in, in my head. And then I could say, who here knows the number that's in my head? And you could guess. You, you, could, you, could, you could guess. It's not 666 in case you're wondering. Not that number. All right? It, 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 what number? The only number you could guess, but you wouldn't know. That it, only my spirit knows the number. Then Paul says that who knows what God is thinking? Who knows what's on God's mind? Only God's spirit knows what God is thinking, what's on his mind. So I'm just going to put a picture up here and make sure you're tracking with me here. So you have the triune God, you have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit knows what's happening, what God is thinking. For you and I, we're spirit, soul, and body. There are actually three parts to us as well. Body, soul, and spirit. And it is only you, it's only our spirit that knows that we're thinking. Now here's what happens. At conversion, we are born again. And when we were born again, we're told that the Spirit of God now dwells within us. We become these portable temples. The, the, the presence of God is within us. This is significant because what Paul is going to say at the end of chapter 2, he says, we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. What Paul is saying is it used to be you didn't know what God was thinking, but now God's Spirit lives in you, dwells in you, and you can know, should God share with you, you can know what is on his mind. You can hear what he wants to say to you. You track with me here? This is just how, how it's, I was laying out in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Spirit of God is within you. If you will take the time to listen, and if you ask questions, should God decide to share, he will tell you what he's thinking. Psalm chapter 25 says that, the, that God confides in them. He, he shares his secrets with those who fear him. 
So you can know what God is thinking for yourself and and, and things that you're wondering, as well as perhaps how to be a blessing to others, which is what I want to get to. So that is how this happens. That, That picture that my mom and dad had 20 years ago of me standing on a platform with a shepherd's crook and a a fishing rod in in my hand, they they took that picture and prayed that for me. Lord, give him a pastor's heart. Lord, give him a gift of evangelism. And by the way, over those 20 years, there were over 200 people that came to Christ in in that church. God did that, and that church continues to to grow and, and be a bright light in that city because God did it. And, and people were able to pray what they heard so that the Spirit of God would, would, would make that happen. So that's how it happens. And now let me talk about what it is. So go to 1 Corinthians 14. Paul is uh, he, he's, he's going to talk about this gift uh, of which that you can hear God for others. Uh, and a little context here, because remember the church is in chaos. Chapter 13 is, is, the, is the pretty infamous chapter on love. You know, love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, not boastful or proud or rude and so on and, and so forth. That's the definition of love. Um, in, in 14, what he's going to address is there's a spiritual, it's a pretty mysterious spiritual gift. It's called the gift of tongues. And uh, the church is, is really desiring gifts. And this is one that has been elevated. And the gift of tongues is happening in such a way that it's pretty chaotic in, 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 uh, in their times of gathering in their house churches. And uh, what Paul is going to talk about is a, a greater gift. He's going to call this, 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 this greater gift, it's called prophecy. And he's going to say, he's going to encourage them, don't pursue gifts that just edify yourself. Pursue a gift that, that builds up the church. Um, and, uh, and he's going to define what prophecy is. So I want to begin reading in verse 1, and I'll take it to, the, to verse 12. Uh, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues. But even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly, or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. And this is God's holy word. Prophecy. 
just saying the word for some of you in the room kind of kind of enacts this spiritual PTSD. Okay, because you, you've seen like when things go sideways and um, and, you know, it's 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 interesting because they have this idea that, you know, it, it, you, maybe you've even seen like someone who speaks great American English and suddenly when they start, uh, you know, listening to God and sharing with others what Paul calls prophecy, suddenly it's transformed and they're, they're speaking some King James dialect and because uh, there's this. This idea of what it's supposed to sound like. This, this whole idea of life in the spirit is hard for us to understand. And what I want to do is just, I want, I want to explain what prophecy is. In fact, uh, it's defined very clearly in chapter 14 what it is. Now, prophecy, let me just tell you what it is not. Some of us have been taught that prophecy is teaching. It's, it's not teaching. If, if it were teaching, Paul would have used the, the word in, in the original language that would have said teaching. Um, it, it's, not, it's not teaching. Prophecy is a mysterious gift. It's the ability to listen to God and share it with us. You're listening for others. So it, it's not teaching. It's, 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 it's a gift, but it's like one of those gifts, like the gift of evangelism. We are all called to evangelize, but some have a special uh, anointing to evangelize. When it comes to prophecy, because we all have God's spirit within us, we can all hear God for ourselves and for others. There are some who have a, a stronger gift with prophecy. But it's simply listening to God for others. So it's not teaching. Uh, it's also something that's confused where, where we've been taught that, well, that's something that happened in the Old Testament. It doesn't happen in the New Testament. In the Old Testament... Prophets were a select group of people who got spirit indwelt. They were God's mouthpiece. They were the ones who instructed or confronted or encouraged people with what, with what God was thinking. That's Old Testament. New Testament, something dramatic happens at Pentecost, right? The spirit of God comes upon all believers. So now everybody is a spokesperson for God. We are all Christ's ambassadors, we all now can hear what God would want to share. So we can, we can, we can all speak things that we are, are listening. So it didn't end in the Old Testament. In fact, you know, when we think about the Spirit coming at Pentecost, one of the primary gifts we go to is the gift of tongues. But if you read Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, it's actually prophecy that, that Joel uh, is, is prophesying about. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. We read about the evangelist Philip who has four daughters and all four of those daughters in the book of Acts have the gift of prophecy. We hear about a guy named Agabus in the book of Acts who's also called a prophet. We read Ephesians chapter four where it talks about the five roles that mature the church in Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So we see prophecy, we see prophets in the, in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. And, uh, and so it, it isn't something that's stopped at, at the cross. And there's also this idea that, well, prophecy in the, uh, in the Old Testament, man, you better, you better get it right. Because in, in Deuteronomy, it says if you, don't prophe- if you prophesy falsely, the definition of a false prophet in the Old Testament is someone who doesn't prophesy correctly. And it says that that person is to be uh, put to death, to be stoned. 
So, New Testament, the, the idea sometimes is communicated that if you, if you don't get it right, there's, there's serious consequences. And, uh, but actually, in the New Testament, Jesus speaks about false prophets and about um, how to handle false prophets. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus defines false prophecy as people who prophesy whose exterior posits a, a, a certain image that is in dissonance with their interior, interior. He gives the image of someone who's dressed up like a sheep, but inside they're a ferocious wolf. Meaning that they, they give this idea that they are spirit-led, led by the spirit, but actually on the interior, they're led by their appetites. They're, they're led by their cravings, and they devour people. In fact, he will go on to say that you will know a tree by its fruit. If you want to recognize an apple tree, look for apples. And he's saying, you'll be able to tell the difference between someone who speaks truth and someone who speaks falsely. And then what about punishment? Jesus actually says that that people like that, when they show up before him, when they stand before him, they will assume that they're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus is going to say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And they will say, Lord, Lord, but, but we prophesied in your name. And Jesus, again, will say, depart from me, I never knew you. So punishment, Old Testament, stoning, punishment, New Testament, is you're you're held accountable to Christ. He is the one who will judge. So those are some of the common questions that pop in our mind when we think about a gift called prophecy. And again, I just want to throw a definition, because this is from, actually, this definition of prophecy is from chapter 14, verse 3. Um, and, and we, we read right, right by it, but here, here's a good New Testament definition of prophecy. Prophecy is hearing from God and speaking what you hear in order to strengthen, encourage, and comfort someone. If someone comes to you saying, I have heard something, and I think, I think in, in humility and in love, says, I want to share something with you I think that God has for you. If it's from God, it will strengthen you. That word literally means it'll be a new work of construction in you. You'll be built up. Another word that's often used is edification. You will be built, new, new construction, encouraged. What, what that means is, you know how you're discouraged sometimes? To be discouraged is for someone to take courage out of you. To be encouraged is for a deposit of courage to be placed in you. So when when God speaks to you, it will be a work of new construction and it will be a deposit of courage as well, as well as comfort uh, or or you'll be consoled. There's consolation. So anytime there's this, I'm hearing for someone, it will always be for their good. That's why when someone speaks a harsh word and it comes up very strong and they call it prophecy, I often, hey, I don't receive it because it doesn't match what the scriptures teach. You, You need to understand this. When God shares his mind, it is never separated from his heart. His heart and his mind are in sync. He loves you. You are his sons and daughters. Yes, he will challenge and encourage us to grow. But he always has our best in mind. Now, let me, I just want to share um, uh, just a practical way that this, this has happened for me. I, I shared with you the story of my mom and dad as they were listening. They were listening to God and listening for me. Um, and I showed you how that happens. They, they have God's spirit and they're Christ followers. 
um, a couple came to Trinai not long ago and asked us to pray for them. They had heard that uh, as we've as we traveled and as we've been with people, we've we've done this. We've listened for others, and uh, they asked us to to listen for them. And we had no idea that the the crossroads that they were in spiritually, and they didn't share that with us. But we had them over our home, and we were, we had we had dinner, and uh, and and then they were sitting on a couch. And I was explaining all this. This is how God speaks, and explaining it to them so they have some sort of frame of reference. Um, and um, I said, so we're going to do is we're, we're going to pray and, and we're going to listen. And so, but we're not going to pray until we, we feel like we've heard from God. Um, and so we were quiet and we were listening. And the moment that uh, I closed my eyes, I, in my mind's eyes, I saw an, an image. I uh, saw an impression. And by the way, when you're listening, oftentimes you, you will see a picture. Uh, and this is consistent with the scriptures. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 11 Jeremiah is a young, budding prophet, and God says to him, Jeremiah, what do you see? Jesus, in John chapter 5, is talking to his disciples and says, I only do what I see my Father doing. How, how are they seeing? Seeing spiritually. So I'm praying, and I, and I see uh, a, a giant Douglas fir tree. And on this, there's, about halfway up, there's this branch and here's this guy I'm praying for sitting on this branch. Um, now, I just want you to know that, that should the Holy Spirit give me permission, I'm going to share this picture with him and, and my sense of what God is saying. And, um, and when you do that, you're, what you're, what, maybe you're even already thinking this. You're going, okay, Fruit Loop. Uh, you know, this, this is, we have now entered into a whole new zone. I mean, that... But here's the deal, when you, God, Job says that God speaks in dark sayings and riddles. What, what's happening is he's speaking us in ways that will call us to take steps of faith. And when we take steps of faith and we see God at work, faith rises. So again, hearing God for yourself or for others is fantastic, but taking those steps of faith will grow your ability to recognize God's voice and grow your faith. So I'm seeing this guy sitting on a, uh, a branch on this giant Douglas fir tree, and you're going to continue to think I'm a fruit loop, but I'll keep going. I see him stand on the, on the branch, and he walks, and there's a door in the side of the tree, and he walks in the tree. The tree's hollow. And then the top of the tree opens like a hatch, and he shows up on top. And the moment that the top uh, of the tree opens up, I hear, in, I, I hear the word promotion. Um, and so I ask quickly, Holy Spirit, am I... Am I free to share this and pray this for, for him? And, and I, I, yes, is what I hear. And so I, I share this with him. And he has that look in his face like, Fruit Loop, right? Like, oh, okay. Um, and, and then we're praying for his wife. And we, uh, we hear Isaiah chapter 55. We just feel like Isaiah chapter 55 is really important for you. And even as we're saying, we hear the word skeptic. And so I say to the woman, I said, right now, I can just tell you, right now you're, you're really skeptical if this is what God has for you. And later I found out that's exactly what she was thinking. And so we gave him Isaiah 55 and gave him this picture of this, this tree. And three weeks later, this guy's organization restructured, and he was promoted. And then four weeks later, Sundar Krishnan came, if you remember, he, four weeks later, he, Sundar Krishnan came here and he, he spoke, and the first passage he chose to speak from was Isaiah chapter 55. Remember repetition? It was like the third or fourth time Isaiah 55 had come up for this, this woman. 
I'm just sharing this with you because what happened in this couple is they were at a crossroads of leaving Christ or staying with Christ and they felt new work of construction in their life, encouragement and comfort. And I will tell you, they're still coming to Sam Alliance Church and they're growing and they're bearing fruit. And it wasn't because anything that Steve Fowler or Trina Fowler did, it was simply because we shared what God was saying. It's, it's listening for others. But, but before we can listen for others, we have to grow in our ability to listen to God for ourselves. We have to be really great at this. And as we hear for others, offer it in humility and in love. We don't have to speak King James. We don't have to be angry because we don't separate the mind of Christ from the heart of Christ. And what I want to do is I just I want to lead us in a listening exercise. I'm going to tell you what it is up front. Uh, I'm, just, I'm going to lead us. I'm going to ask God that he would just put someone on your heart, a, a person, that, a name or a face would come into your mind. And then I'm going to ask you to listen on their behalf. I'm not going to ask you to share it with them. I just want you to, to, to practice listening and, and to hear, to see someone or to, to hear a name and then ask God, how do you want me to pray for this person? And just practice listening and praying what you hear for others. So if you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. Now, Holy Spirit, would you come now and would you just reveal yourself to us? Would you open our ears to hear what you're saying to us? And now, would, would you just simply pray and ask the Holy Spirit to put someone on your heart, a, a, a person? And maybe you'll see a face or hear a name. And if one doesn't appear, you don't get a name or you don't see a face, that's, that's okay. This is an exercise you can take with you into the week. So don't get frustrated. Just keep listening. And now having that name and that face, ask the Spirit of God to share with you, because His Spirit is in you, ask Him to share with you how you can pray. Again, if you're not necessarily hearing anything, don't, don't get frustrated. This is something you can be doing all week long. Pay attention to scripture that comes to mind. Again, the things that you're seeing in your mind's eye. Maybe even a song. Now just begin praying that. From your sense of what God is saying, pray that for that person. They'd be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. You're listening for them. Lord, I pray for your church. You love the church. You want to see it encouraged, strengthened, comforted. There are people today who are discouraged, people today who are in pain people today who feel weak. Would you speak your words to us? Holy Spirit, we invite you to give us ears to hear what you are saying so that we might be a blessing to you and to others.